My name is Ruben Magdaleno. This is my wife, Joanna. I'm the campus pastor for Parker. And this is our financial story. When we gave our life to Christ, we gave him our family and we gave him our marriage and he restored that. But what we didn't give to him was our finances. I was in charge of the finances, but I was the wrong person to give that to because I'm a shopaholic and I just had a spending problem. I was swiping my credit card and my debit card. And at the end of the month, I was using my debit card to pay for my credit cards and the credit cards to pay for the stuff on the debit cards. Um, I was hiding Amazon boxes like a mad woman every month uh, or every week, I should say. Um, and that was just no way to live, but my pride wouldn't let me come to my husband and let him know that we were operating in the red every single month. So um, I just justified it. I continued to hide it and I justified it with uh, saying that everybody lived this way, but that was, that was a lie. I let my wife take care of all the bills. I didn't really want to look at it, so I just pretended everything was okay. It was easier for me just to look away. Um, but we were living paycheck to paycheck and always in the red every month. Being here on staff at Calvary, it was mandatory for us to take Financial Peace University in the spring. And God impressed on me to apply everything that we learned in our own life. And that's what we did. And so I called our first budget meeting. It was pretty nerve wracking and I can tell that my wife was scared. So we got together, we prayed, and we just went for it. We went step by step. And for the first time, we actually saw where all our money was going to. So what we did was we immediately paid off our credit cards. We paid off five credit cards. And from there, we started to create, with that extra money that we were spending um, on those credit cards, we started our emergency fund. We have an emergency fund. We have a budget. We have itemized things that we, that we pay for. Because of that, um, the dreaded B word budget is something that I actually don't cringe or get a pain in my stomach when I hear it anymore. We look forward to the monthly budget plans. Our communication and our marriage has got so much better with this and uh, Yeah, one of the greatest things was actually teaching our kids now how to budget. Um, before that, we didn't know what we were doing, but now we can pass that down to our kids. And that way they can start telling their money where to go. I just want to encourage you to take Financial Peace University. If your finances are already good, I can guarantee that they'll, they'll just get better. If they're bad, then it'll get good. And not just that, it'll make your marriage better and it'll make your communication with your spouse better. I love the stories of life change because we're all about life change here at Calvary. And so if you're in a place where uh, you're wondering if there is hope for your situation, there is. And we want you to know that and we want you to feel that and take the steps towards experiencing that life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles or your Bible apps and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. Grab one of the Bibles in the seats around you at Sweetwater or McCulloch. If you're at our Parker campus, then there's a table in the middle with Bibles on it. Step back there, grab one of those Bibles, and turn to page 645. 645, you'll be able to follow along with the Scriptures. And as always, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, please take one of those with you. We want you to have the Word of God and read the Word of God, because we know if you do that, God will change your life. 
Hey, uh, tomorrow is a big day. Actually, uh, for those of you at McCulloch and, and Parker, it's today now. Uh, it's Super Bowl weekend, and uh, there's kind of a big game. Not that the right teams are in it or anything. But, uh, hey, I'm wearing this one from the Cardinals uh, Super Bowl. You know, they played in uh, 11 years ago, so there's hope. Um, they made it once. They can make it again, right? But uh, just out of curiosity's sake, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, how many of you are pulling for the 49ers? Okay. How many of you are pulling for the Chiefs? Oh, wow. A lot more. How many of you couldn't care less? Yeah. Couldn't care less always wins. So anyway, uh, I hope you have uh, a lot of fun with that, whether it is to watch the game, watch the commercials, eat too much, or uh, go shopping because the stores are empty. Uh, hey, we're continuing our Unleashed series, and, and we're talking about how God sets us free so that we can live the way that he intended us to live. And uh, this weekend, we're kind of wrapping up uh, the, the focus on our financial freedoms and the issues that plague us. And, and in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about a lot more life issues. You're going to be hearing some other great stories about life change and how God wants to set us free from the things that get us. But I want to remind you, as we begin today, that Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to set us free. Uh, in fact, Jesus' very first recorded message to his home synagogue in Nazareth when he's preaching there, he, he read a passage from Isaiah that says this. And, and this is the passage that Jesus identified with himself saying, this is who I am. He read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to pro proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was what Jesus said he came to do. He came to set us free. Now, think about this. Jesus came to set us free spiritually. He, he, he sacrificed himself on the cross to pay for your sins and my sins, and he was raised from the dead, and, and so he paid the debt we owed, he defeated death, and he set us free from the condemnation of hell. Uh, that's why uh, we want you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We want you to come to that place in your life where you believe and, and acknowledge that Jesus is the one and only Son of God and Savior of the world. Where you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead and you've made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life because that's how you're going to find that freedom. That spiritual freedom, that promise of eternal life, that heaven is your destiny. So Jesus came to set us free spiritually he came to set us free relationally. Uh, you know, Jesus taught us how to love. He taught us how to forgive. He taught us how to serve and how to bless. And, and in doing that, he was showing us that we could be set free from our selfishness, our anger, and our addiction. All of those things that plague us and entrap us and confine us to lives lacking freedom. And we're going to be talking a lot about a lot of those issues in the coming weeks. And then, of course, uh, even as we mentioned last week, Jesus came to set us free financially. And, and I say that because that's what Jesus said. Did you hear what he said? I came to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Good news for the poor. Okay? That, that's, that's reality. Set at liberty those who are oppressed. 
And, and, and as we're talking about that financial freedom that God intends for you and me to have, understand that Scripture uses a lot of financial references and language to describe the atoning work of Jesus. Okay? Again, this isn't coming from me. This is uh, the Apostle Peter. In, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, For you know, you know, that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You know that you were redeemed through the blood of Jesus. Uh, you guys all know that redemption is a financial term, right? We talk about redemption here at Calvary a lot. We believe that God's going to redeem your circumstances, redeem your life if you'll follow him. Uh, so we talk about redemption, but redemption is a financial term, right? How many of you are old enough to remember glass soda bottles, right? Yeah, glass soda bottles, and when you, you know, bought the, the Cokes, or, or more correctly, the Pepsis and Mountain Dews that I, I bought, uh, you had to pay the nickel for the, each bottle that you got, and then you drank them, and you saved them in that little carton, and you took them back. That was our laundry money. Uh, took them back, you traded them in, you redeemed them, and you got the money back. Jesus redeemed us from hell, and he gets us back. He bought us with his blood. That was the price he paid for us, for you and for me. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. And then, of course, ransom is a monetary concept. You know, if somebody is taken captive and they're held for ransom, somebody has to pay the ransom. Uh, guess what? The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 2 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. He gave himself as a ransom for us. And, and then, of course, Jesus himself told us that he was a ransom because in Matthew chapter 20, uh, he's recorded as saying this, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus ransomed us from death. So uh, Jesus came to redeem us from hell, to ransom us from death, to set us free. And uh, we need to understand that debt makes us prisoners. Debt makes us prisoners. Uh, I ask you to turn to Proverbs chapter 22. This is one of those verses you probably ought to mark, you probably ought to memorize, you probably ought to write out and let it be in influential in your day-to-day -day life. It says, The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is the slave of the lender. Proverbs 22, 7. Listen to that again. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And a lot of times we go, yeah, that doesn't make so much sense nowadays. Really? I want you to understand that this was a literal statement until uh, the latter half of the 1800s. A literal statement. In other words, uh, in the ancient days, there really was a debtor's prison that you were sold into. And, and you literally were sold as a slave to pay the debt that you owed. And then the income that you produced as a slave went to the person that you owed the money to. And then when it was all paid off, they could set you free. So somebody got free labor. That wasn't free labor, but it was cheap labor. Somebody else got the money from it. You just lived as a slave. And they could sell you and your family into slavery if you owed money. So that was the ancient times. And, and then we got a little bit more modern... And in the medieval times, what they did is when you owed money and you defaulted on that money, they uh, turned you into debtor's prison and they tortured you. 
They literally tortured you. You know why they tortured you? Because they figured you were hiding the assets someplace. They assumed you had a stash of money or jewels or, or something, and they were going to find out where you hid it, so they would torture you until you told them where the money was. And then, of course, we got a lot more civilized than that. And in the United States and Europe, uh, really from like the 1500s until the 1800s, you could be put in debtor's prison as punishment for defaulting on your debts. We're talking about 150 years ago, that was common practice. And it was like, you defaulted, you're going to jail. And finally, in the late 1800s, they decriminalized uh, bankruptcy and defaulting and made it a civil issue and not a criminal issue and did away with debtors' prisons. But debt makes us prisoners. It's still true today. Not in a literal sense, but in a real sense. See, most debt makes us prisoners. I say most debt because appreciating assets are the exception, and, and, and we recognize that. But debt makes us prisoners. And, and this is partly my story. I just want you to hear this. Um, I was introduced to credit by my parents. And uh, my parents taught me a lot of wonderful things, gave me a lot of, of traits that uh, have helped me to be successful in life. That was not one of them. Okay? They, that, you know, my dad emphasized you got to have a good credit score, and here's credit. He helped me get my first credit cards and made sure I was making payments. And, uh, and so I played the payment game uh, until I had credit cards with ridiculous limits. I mean, just uh, obscene limits. And, and, and I used them like crazy. We used them like crazy. And we were captive to the minimum payments. We felt uh, oppressed. I felt oppressed when I sat down to pay the bills. I mean, it was horrible. It was depressing and defeating to look at our financial situation. And I just felt trapped, uh, crushed, hopeless, defeated. Would we ever be debt-free? I mean, it, it just was, it was awful, you know, and I don't know how you guys are, but, you know, back in the day when you had to sit down and, and pay the bills every time you got paid, you know, so twice a month you're sitting there and, and writing out the checks and, and cursing at life because you're like a failure that way. Uh, that's what it felt like. We had credit cards, we had student loans, we had car payments, we had a mortgage, and, and of course we played the consolidation game, Right? Well, let's put all the debts together and borrow against the house, and that way we'll, we'll, it'll be less of a payment, and we don't have all these credit cards. And, and we lost at that game because we didn't stop using the credit cards. We just added to the debt over and over and over again until that day when we said, enough, uh, August of 2008, we physically cut up the credit cards, made the phone calls, closed the accounts, started paying it back. And of course, um, we all know what happened in September of 2008, right? Great Recession started, stock market crashed, uh, the economy went in the tank, and my oldest daughter started college. See, my timing is impeccable. Let's just go ahead and, and recognize this. And, and, and I share this with you because I know that we're all tempted by pride. We don't want to admit that we've made mistakes, we don't want to admit that we weren't, aren't as brilliant as we looked, we don't want to admit that we don't have it all together, <clears throat> and uh, we didn't have it all together. And so I, I share that with you because some of you are wrestling with pride, some of you are wrestling with greed and envy. You're just like, I want more, and uh, I don't care what it takes to get that. And see, the problem is our culture tells us that we need the latest and coolest and trendiest fashion and cars and technology and experiences. 
And if we're going to experience God's blessings, if we're going to live lives that are unleashed, then we have to be counter-cultural. We have to follow Jesus instead of following the culture. But a lot of us are slaves to the cultural impulses. In fact, uh, there's, there's some parents in this room with kids at home that you feel like you have to. You have to take your kids to Disneyland every year, at least once a year. And you have to have them in travel soccer and baseball and in cheer and in gymnastics. And, and you have to have a boat or quads or, or you know, a dune buggy or rail or, uh, you know, jet skis. You got to have the toys. And, and all of those expectations that you're putting on yourself, like if I'm going to be a good parent, I have to do that, is killing you. It's crushing you. And by the way, if you think that's what you have to do to be a good parent, it's a lie. It's a lie. That is not what makes you a good parent. That is not what makes you a successful person. It's a lie and it's a trap, one that many of us have fallen into. Let me just be really blunt. You want to be a good parent? I mean, you really honestly want to be a good parent? Then teach your kids to love Jesus. Teach your kids to love Jesus. And by the way, the only way you can do that is for you to love Jesus and let them see you. You, you want to be a good parent? Teach your kids to love others. And the way we do that is have a great marriage. You, you teach your kids how to treat others by the way you treat your spouse and the way you treat your family. And, and then as they see you treat your friends, they're going to learn how to treat others. You want to bless your kids? You want to be a great parent? Then, then teach them to serve. To think of others before they think of themselves. And again, they have to see that in your life. You can't just tell them about it. You want to be a great parent? Teach them to be good stewards. Teach them financial responsibility. Teach them how to, to live within their means, how to, to honor God with what God blesses them with. So, you know, that's really the mark of a, of a good parent. It's not all the stuff that we think we have to have, that the culture is selling us. See, they're selling us debt. See, Jesus came to set us free, but debt makes us prisoners, and debt distracts us from the mission. Debt distracts us from the mission. I'm talking about the mission of Christ. Here at Calvary, we say that's to lead people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus through the love of his people and the power of his truth. Okay? A lot of you got that in the welcome. I appreciate that. But debt distracts us from the mission. Here's how the Apostle Paul put it in Romans 13. He said, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. So, so God is calling us to live in a way that allows us to only owe the debt of love. Now, what is that? What is the debt of love? The debt of love is knowing that God has loved us tremendously, and because God has loved me, I can love others. Okay? That, that's, that's, what, that's what the debt of love is. You go, okay, so God has loved me. I can't repay that, but the way he wants me to repay it is to love other people. And then it's, it, it's knowing that God has poured out grace generously onto us, and so we live our lives forgiving others and serving others because we're not so self-important that we forget them. 
See, that's owing that debt of love. That's what it means. To know that God has loved us and to love him and love others. To know that God has poured out his grace on us so we live lives of forgiving and service out of gratitude. Do you understand that debt gets in the way of that? Debt gets in the way of that. Personally, when we're a prisoner of debt, we become self-focused. It's a survival instinct. We have to, right? Because I have to pay my bills. And how can I make more money? And how can I profit to get ahead? And I've got to take care of this. And I'm stressed about it. We really become self-focused when we're prisoners of debt. How am I going to make it? And, and, and we become self-consumed, and it's difficult to serve others when you're focused on your debt. And it's almost impossible to be generous when you're deep in debt. You know why? Because you don't have any money. You can't bless other people when you don't have any money. But it doesn't just get in the way personally. Uh, it can get in the way corporately, too. Debt can affect a church adversely. Uh, I, again, I learned this uh, here at Calvary uh, early on. In fact, uh, I got here in May of 1992, and we started construction in August of 1992 on what's now part of the education building at our McCulloch campus. And, uh, and we needed to borrow $150,000 so we could do the building. Big money. Was at the time, because the church was running less than 100. It was big money. It was, there was a lot of debate about that. We're going to borrow this money or not. So we couldn't qualify for a, a bank loan, so we, uh, we sold bonds. Actually, debentures was a legal term for it. Sold $150,000 worth. It only took us about a week to sell them. And what happened is people would buy the, the bonds as an investment. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll buy one of these, and then the church will pay me interest and pay me the principal and all that kind of stuff through the years. And I thought, this is a great because you're investing in, in a church you believe in. And so people bought those bonds, and the church is growing, and we built the building, and everything's wonderful until we come around to the next budget cycle. And we're talking about the, the budget of the church in business meeting. And somebody said, I don't know if I like this budget. We're increasing it too much. Are you going to be able to pay me my bonds? And I went, oh, I see how this works. You're more concerned about you getting paid than about the mission of Christ and so as soon as we built the, the sanctuary at McCulloch, <laughs> we paid off all those bonds. <laughs> we just owed a bank and, uh, for a little while. And, and so, uh, by the way, we still owe uh, $2.3 million on this building. We borrowed uh, so we could get it uh, done. We, and, and it's manageable. It's not crippling to our ministry. But it, can you imagine how much more ministry we could do if we didn't have that payment? Uh, and, and so... Uh, I and others in the church are giving uh, monthly to reduce that debt, to that building fund debt. And, uh, and I would invite you to join us. If God leads you to do that, then uh, just join with us in paying that down. Uh, we, uh, we have uh, $2.3 million and we've reduced $700,000 in the last three years. So we're already making great progress on it. We want to be debt-free. Uh, so I just invite you to join with us, or if God has tremendously blessed you and you'd like to make that debt go away, come see me after the service <laughs> and make my day. Well, heck, you'll make my year. So, uh, you see, debt makes us prisoners. And, I wasn't kidding, by the way. Uh, <laughs> debt makes us prisoners, and debt distracts us from the mission. Jesus came to set us free, so let's talk about the challenge which is to eliminate debt. The challenge is to eliminate debt. So we want freedom. How do we get there? How do we get there? What are the practical steps that we need to take 
so that we can live in the freedom that Jesus died to give us. That Jesus calls us to live in. How do we get unleashed from the dead? So, real, real simple, real practical. And, and if you're living debt-free right now, then uh, take a nap. Uh, if you, uh, well, you can listen in. It's fine. Uh, you probably have uh, just as good of a, a counsel as I have. But if you're not living debt-free, then, then this is the challenge. First of all, you have to decide to live differently. Decide to live differently. Uh, by the way, deciding to live differently, the Bible word for that is repentance. Repentance. It's saying, my life isn't going the direction I want it to go. I'm going to change direction, and I'm going to follow Jesus instead of following the culture. That's repentance. Summed up, repentance is simply, I'm going this way, and it's away from God, and God calls me to follow him, so I turn around and I go the other way. So if you ever wonder what the word repent means, it just means to turn around and go the other way following God. And, and this is where it, it begins. If you really want to eliminate debt from your life, you have to decide to eliminate debt from your life in order to be free like Jesus calls you to be free. Uh, I already told you, we cut up our credit cards. That was the start. That was a decision. It was not a spur-of-the-moment decision. It was a decision years in the discussing. Because we would make that commitment. Okay, we're not going to use the credit cards anymore. You've been, you been there? Done that? We're not going to use them except for emergencies. It's amazing how pizza can become an emergency for me. Okay, I, you know, I just confessed. You know, I, they were there and they were available and that was not good. And we had great intentions, but we didn't decide to live differently until we took those blessed credit cards and cut them up. Just cut them up. That was the decision. We're, we're now going to live within our means, whatever that requires. That was the beginning. You have to make a decision. You have to decide, I want to live differently. Uh, Dave Ramsey puts it this way. Live like no one else so that you can live and give like no one else. And this is the radical commitment that you need to make to eliminate your debt. It, it can't just be one of these casual things. It has to be a serious thing. And it all begins with a decision. Now, a lot of you have already heard this because you're in Financial Peace University. Uh, we've got over 600 people signed up and participating in Financial Peace. And, and that's why we're offering Financial Peace. It's so that people can get out of debt, so they can get out of this prison of debt. And by the way, if you didn't sign up and now you're wishing that you had, we still have the materials available. Contact the church office. We'll be glad to, to get them to you. And we will continue offering Financial Peace University on a regular basis. We've been offering it for several years, uh, and we're going to keep offering it. Obviously not church-wide, but as a smaller, smaller groups. And so you can get in on the next class if you missed out on this one. So it all begins with that decision. You've got to decide to live differently. And then once you make a decision, you have to plan. You really have to plan. And a lot of us don't like the plans. We don't want to make the plan. I mean, you heard uh, Reuben and Joanna. They were dreading the budget meeting. They were dreading coming together and talking about what they're spending. Um, and, and that means you've got to make a budget. If you're going to have a plan, you've got to put it on paper. Uh, when it comes to finances, that means it's a budget. What do we have? What do we owe? What do we need to eliminate? What, do, what can't we do? And this is hard. Again, I'll just confess. When we got to the budgeting part, 
I procrastinated six months. Six months. I didn't want to do it. But you have to do it. And you have to have the conversation. And you have to come together. And, and that's why this whole process of Financial Peace University and this whole process of owning your, your financial future, it, it really will strengthen your marriage. Because you're fighting about money anyway. You might as well fight together rather than with each other. See? I mean, it's, it's reality. So, you know, make a budget. Because you have to know where you are and you have to know where you want to be and you have to have a plan to get there. If you don't have a plan, you'll fail. Okay? So you can say, we decided, but if you don't actually have a plan, you haven't decided. Because you haven't made a commitment. The budget is when the commitment gets real. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your walk to the Lord and your plans will be established. Your plans will be established. But you've got to commit it to God. You've got to say, okay, God, here's where we're at. Here's what we have. We're going to be honest about this. We're going to take responsibility for this. And we want you to honor this. And by the way, Jesus wants to set you free. Okay, we already established that. Jesus wants to set you free. So your plan to honor him with your money and your lifestyle will succeed because Jesus is pulling for you. So, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a plan. And then you've got to commit to the debt snowball. The debt snowball. Now, I stole that from Dave Ramsey. He's fine with that. You, know, you hear about it in Financial Peace University, and a lot of you have already heard about this. Uh, and by the way, if you want to, you can just go to YouTube and, and type in Dave Ramsey's debt snowball, and you can hear him explain it way better than I'm about to explain it to you. But, um, but the debt snowball is simply this. List all your debts from smallest to largest. All of them. Put them out on paper. Again, this is part of the plan. And then you attack the first debt, the lowest debt. You're still paying all the minimums, but that little, the smallest one, you start paying extra towards it. You go, I don't have any extra money. Well, then you take a part-time job. Or you start selling stuff that you have, because you all have a pile of stuff in your garage. You know, and some of you have storage units full of stuff. <laughs> Sell it. Get rid of the storage unit. That's just, you know, more debt. That's more money coming out of your, your paycheck. You know, and... and you know, take all that money that you sell, the garage sales and, and taking a part-time job or whatever and put it toward that smallest debt and, and then you pay it off and when it's paid, you take all that money you're putting toward the smallest debt and you add it to the next smallest debt. And, and, and you just pay everything towards that one and when that one gets paid off, guess what? You take the first payment and the second payment and you add it to the third payment and you start paying that down. And when that's done, you add it to the fourth and the fifth and what, however many you have. Until they're all gone. And some of you are going, that won't work. So here's the statistics from Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, for people who follow the debt snowball. They are debt-free, uh, excluding their house, on average between 18 and 24 months. Not years, months. Freedom is attainable. Some of you are, are sitting here and you're thinking hopelessness and depression. I, I understand that feeling. I'm just telling you, it's possible. It's possible. But you have to decide and you have to plan and then you have to commit to the debt snowball. Uh, and, and so that can be your story too. If you decide, if you plan, and you do it. And by the way, when we talk about doing it, we're not talking about casually like, yeah, I'm kind of sort of going to do the whole uh, debt thing. No. 
Again, Dave Ramsey talks about uh, uh, in doing it with intensity. And okay, for those of you who are taking Financial Peace University, what kind of intensity is it you're supposed to have? Gazelle intensity. Again, go to YouTube, Dave Ramsey, gazelle intensity. You watch a video, he'll explain it. It's kind of cool. Okay? You see, when you do that, when you commit, you're going to find freedom. Jesus came to set you free. He wants the good news to be for the poor. He wants to set at liberty those who are oppressed. If that's you, then his freedom is for you today. So let me ask you this. Do you know that freedom spiritually? Have you come to that place in your life where you've committed your life to Jesus Christ? You know that your sins are forgiven. You know that heaven is your destiny. You know that Jesus is your Savior. If you know that, then you're free. If you have doubts or you know you haven't done that, then tonight we're going to invite you to discover freedom. Prayer team members are going to be here at the front after the service. You can come and talk with them, pray with them. Pastors will be out at the Connection Centers, whichever campus you're on, and they would love to talk with you, pray with you, so that you can know that spiritual freedom that Jesus came to give you. It's the most important one. Do you know the relational freedom? Are you living the relational freedom? Jesus came to teach you how to love, how to forgive, how to serve, how to have joy in your relationships. He, he wants to make a difference relationally in your life. If you're not free in that way, then seek help. We've got all kinds of help available. Again, you know, pastors are available to talk with you. Members of our prayer team will pray with you. We've got counseling available. We've got Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights at 630 at the McCulloch campus. We've got ways to help you find that freedom relationally because we want you to be free. Jesus came to set you free spiritually, relationally. Are you on that path to financial freedom? Because Jesus doesn't want you living enslaved to debt. It's your choice. In all of those, I dare you to follow Jesus. Because Jesus came to set us free. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for a love that will not let us go. Thank you for your freedom. Uh, Lord, you know we abuse it. You know we ignore it. You know that we choose captivity over and over and over again in so many different ways. And yet you want to unleash us from the obstacles, from the lifestyles that hold us back from your freedom, from your goodness, from your blessings. And so right now, whatever need we have, meet us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.